0: This is Radiance tape number, J.D. 23, recorded on June 4th, 1972. A message by Jim Durkin entitled, The Ultimate Satisfaction. Used to see these billboards that would say, smoke camels, they satisfy. And I've, I've been pondering, not on that particular situation, but on the concept of what does satisfy the human heart. I remember as a younger man, married... I would tell my wife we were at a certain point financially, certain point spiritually, certain point every way. And then I would tell my wife, I'd say we're almost over the hump, over the hump. Little did I realize in those days, the minute you get over one hump, another one looms up. And then, Hallelujah, but we're always climbing higher, see, that's the whole point of it. You know, get over one hump and then lag off in this little low valley. No, we're moving up always continually. But in my mind, we're up one hump, and then we're going to be there. And then I remember telling her, or sometimes the two of us would sit down together, and we would pick out something in life. Now, sometimes it would be a new car. Not a new car, but a different one than the one we had. We knew we couldn't buy a new car at that point. Different one than the one we had, or some piece of furniture or something. It was always had to do with a thing. Now, it didn't have to do at that time with seeing souls saved or seeing the work of God built. We were Christians, remember. We knew the Lord, and we really did. I mean, we didn't know Him, but He knew us. And we knew we were saved. That we knew. But we always had in our mind something that if we could get it, we would be satisfied. We would be happy. We would be content. That would be the thing that would make our whole lives finally complete. And, of course, we would strive for it and save for it and labor for it and sacrifice for it. And finally, we went and got it and brought it home and set it down and said, There, what about it? Oh, wonderful. Fiddle with it a little bit and pretty soon begins to lose its interest. And then it was just another piece of the junk that surrounds a man. We did not yet understand that a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. Things are not wrong to possess under certain circumstances. They have their place. We need chairs to sit upon. Might even be a good thing to have a church building like this to come and worship in. We need a car, perhaps, in our present society to get us from one place to another. That's not wrong. But these things are not the basic element out of which a man's life can consist. He can be surrounded by these things and be desperately empty totally unsatisfied. Then I begin to ask myself, Lord, if not those things, what satisfies a man? Then I begin to search this week in my heart for an answer to this. Then I began to go through the Bible and I read how man was created in the image and after the likeness of God. God said when he made man, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Now man, when he fell. That image was marred. It never was the totally perfect image, the ultimate fulfilled image, the infinitely different image than God planned, but an embryo and type it was perfect, a perfect recreation if a creature can bear the perfect image of the infinite. But nevertheless, he made Adam in his image and after his likeness, and he put him upon the earth. And whatever that means... It was marred and lost shortly thereafter because of something called sin. And with the loss of that image, man has been striving ever since that time to find something that would satisfy the deep longing and yearning of his spirit, the deep longing and yearning of his soul. And until he finds that ultimate satisfaction, he will never rest. And well does the Bible say, and rightly so, that the eye is never filled with seeing, and the ear is never filled with hearing. It talks about men who are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, brother, sister, I tell you something. You can go out and you can become a nature lover, and you can see every scene that God ever put on this earth. You can see it in its most delightful form. You can stand there, and as the sun is just setting... And you see the, the beautiful ocean and the light streaming along it. And you turn over here and you see the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the beautiful fields. You can... Ah. And for a moment, a tiny little fleeting moment, you feel content. But i tell you something. You can catch that scene on film. You can play it again on a projector. But pretty soon... It ceases to have meaning for him. It does not satisfy. Temporarily for a moment, it thrills you. You're excited as a Christian. You see the handiwork of God in it. That has a deeper meaning to you. But I'm talking about the person of the world. He looks at it and says, ah, but it does not satisfy. I ask myself, now that I, I am a Christian, what would satisfy me as a Christian? And I thought of myself standing back there somehow if God could transport me in time to the days when Moses lived. And to see Moses leading the armies of God, this ragtag group of people that God called an army, and they didn't know a thing about being an army at all, but they were walking along and Pharaoh was behind them hot on their heels and the Red Sea was before them, either side an impassable one mountain's the other desert, no way to turn. I see myself standing there with a crowd looking at Moses, having insight that they didn't have because they didn't know what Moses was going to do. But see, I'm transported back there now, and I do know. And I'm waiting for this grand and glorious miracle to take place. And I see Moses fall on his face, and I say, Yes, that's just what the book said would happen. He's praying now. Oh, God, have you brought all of this people out here? Where is deliverance, Lord? What will we do? God speaks to him. Maybe I hear a rumble, of thunder. Maybe I actually hear the voice of God. Oh, how satisfying. How thrilling. I'm standing right there where these mighty miracles are taking place. What I've read about is now coming to pass in front of my eyes and I see it and I behold it. Then Moses stands up and he walks up on top of that little promontory looking out over the Red Sea and he takes that ordinary piece of wood And he holds it out over the Red Sea. And I see those great waters of wind come and they begin to stand up like a heap on either side and the dry land begin to appear. And I stand there and I'm excited and shaking, thrilled beyond belief, at seeing this tremendous thing take place. And then this great three and a half million men, women, children, old people, young people, babies. The Bible says there was not one feeble among all of their tribes. None with arthritis, none with rheumatism, none broken down. God heal them all. And I see this miracle taking place. And I see three and a half million people go through on the other side and Pharaoh's army destroyed in the Red Sea. And I stand over there and I watch them rejoice. And I say, surely this is the ultimate satisfaction. But it wasn't the ultimate satisfaction for those people. And it wouldn't be the ultimate satisfaction for us. It's a thing that lasts for a moment. It's a thing that we can recall. It's a thing that produces pleasant memories, beautiful reverie. But it is not satisfaction. Then I said, Lord, come down through the ages. I can think of more miracles and tell you the story about them. David slaying the giant, mighty deliverances, Gideon. Fleeting satisfactions for a moment and then gone. It's only something we can remember. In those men's lifetimes, they saw maybe one, two, three miracles, and some no miracles in their lifetime. All many Israelites had is a memory or a story that was passed down to them what happened. Then I thought to myself, oh, I know the ultimate satisfaction. It would be to see Jesus on the earth. Somehow, Lord, transport me back in time and let me stand by the Sea of Galilee. I've sung about it. And while I sung about it in my soul, I could be transported for a moment of time to see it. Maybe you've been there too. Maybe in moments of prayer, in moments of meditation, in moments of reading this divine book, God transported and you saw it. You saw him take the man who was blind from birth and lay his hands upon him. And the world saw something at that moment that from the very creation itself no one had ever been healed of blindness before and the magnificent son of the living God God so loved the world that he gave this unique son he healed the blind and he raised the dead and he cast out demons and he cleansed the lepers I say that's the ultimate satisfaction no that's not the ultimate satisfaction There is something more that our hearts cry out for, and that will never be enough. And Paul rightly stated, Though we knew Him after the flesh, yet know we Him no more after the flesh. They stood there as Jesus said to them, Peter, the other disciples, I am going to Jerusalem to be betrayed by men, to have my beard plucked out, to be spit upon. I'm leaving. Peter, with his little momentary desire for satisfaction, reached out to this fleshly Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, you cannot do this. You cannot leave me. I found greater satisfaction in you than I've ever found before. You can't leave me. But I tell you of a truth, Peter never found the ultimate satisfaction in the fleshly Jesus. Never found it. There is something more. And there is something more that the human spirit and the human soul will never rest until we have experienced that ultimate satisfaction. And Jesus came along and He said, I am going away, but I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I thought surely now He's going to talk about the ultimate satisfaction. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away. It's important for you, necessary for you. It's to your best interest that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Jesus said He, the Spirit of truth, will come to you and He will guide you into all truth. He is with you, but He shall be in you. Now I tell you something we're beginning to get a little bit close to. The ultimate satisfaction. We're beginning to understand a little bit of God's divine plan and the crying out of human nature for that ultimate reality, for that ultimate satisfaction. Brother, it isn't enough for me to see the miracles of God. It isn't enough for me to even see Jesus. I tell you something, God's plan goes beyond that. It's God's plan for Jesus to live in us. Cast off that fleshly tabernacle, Jesus. You cannot meet, and He knows He cannot meet, the need of humanity as long as He is wearing that fleshly tent. Take it to the cross, His Father tells Him. Let it become an offering and a sacrifice. And then I'll free your spirit to bring to men the trail to the ultimate satisfaction. Oh, don't think I'm going to say just getting saved is the ultimate satisfaction, because it is not. It's only the beginning of the ultimate desire. Oh, brother, in one way I'm satisfied, but in another way I'm desperately unsatisfied. Hallelujah. No rest in my spirit, and yet there's peace in my spirit. Hallelujah. No rest in my soul, and yet there's victory in my soul. And he said, I'm going away, but if I go away, I will come to you. I will come to you. He is with you. He shall be in you. If any man love Me and keep My commandments, My Father will love him, and I will love him, and we will come to Him. And the versions properly bring out and make our permanent dwelling place within Him. Hallelujah! Where is God living? He lives in this church. No, He doesn't. He lives in the world. No, He doesn't. His Spirit fills the world. His Spirit fills this church. But where He lives... He lives in His people. Hallelujah. Oh, but that's not the ultimate. To only know that I have been saved, to only know that He has come into me is not enough. It's enough for a moment. It's enough when this glorious truth dawns on me to make me raise my hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. I've been saved. My sins are forgiven. I feel like singing all the day long. Pretty soon that's not enough anymore. Because I tell you something, God puts in your heart a desire not just for Jesus to be there, but for Jesus Himself to begin taking over your life so completely and totally that it's Jesus that begins to manifest Himself through you. It is God living through you that you yearn to see. Oh, I yearn to see these hands be the hands of Jesus Christ laying themselves upon some sick brother or sister or some person possessed of a spirit or some person needing comfort or some person needing prayer, whatever it may be, and to know that these are not the hands of a human only, but because the divine presence of Almighty God has entered into me, that they have truly become the hands of Jesus in this world. Hallelujah. That the eyes that I possess that have looked for so many years on carnality and sin and wrongdoing, by the divine presence that lives in me, these eyes are beholding the beauty of God's work in this world. Hallelujah. Who is making these eyes? Who is giving this divine insight? Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But I tell you something today, though I've seen that channel break open and, God's given us tongues, many of us. And God has allowed us to lay our hands on the sick and see them healed. God has allowed us to be led here and there. And sometimes we blundered along. I remember a person got healed one time. These were the hands of Jesus. I didn't even know it. Had no faith of my own. My soul was saying, we don't have any faith today. That's exactly what it's telling me. And here this woman was sitting there, and she said she had a desperate, terrible sickness in her body. And she was afraid she was going to die. She said to me, Brother Durkin, if it's the Lord's will for me to die, then I'm ready to die. But I have little children, and I would like to stay long enough to see them raised and to know that they're serving God. Could you pray for me? When she told me the nature of her sickness at that time years ago, I recoiled and trembled at the nature of it. Had hold of my mind at that time. And of course, I had to go through the routine. And in my heart, I said, Oh Lord, Jesus, help me. Help me. I haven't got any faith. I haven't got anything. And I took these two hands and laid on her and said, Oh, God, heal her now in Jesus' name. And I said, trust the Lord, sister. Just a formula, pat formula. Didn't mean anything to me then. I didn't know what else to say. I said, thank you, Brother Durkin. Thank you for praying for me. I so said, I'm going to my doctor tomorrow, getting ready to go in for the operation. said, he's desperately worried. He thinks this thing is spread all over my body. And went in, he said, how are you feeling? She said, doctor, something has happened to me overnight. I'm feeling fine. What he said, you mean, you're feeling fine? She said, I have no pain. But he said, you have to have pain. But she said, I don't have any pain. And then he pressed all over her stomach. He said, you mean there's no hurt? None, whatever, doctor. She said, something's happened to me. He examined her thoroughly. There wasn't a trace of this disease. Not a trace of it in her body. Not a trace of it. She came back to me and said, Brother Durkin, Jesus, heal me! And I tell you something, I felt like two cents. These had become the hands of Jesus in this world, and I didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. I was satisfied for a moment. But that's not the ultimate satisfaction. No man will ever be satisfied until that day comes. John told us about it. He said, Beloved, Now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. I know what I am now, but I tell you something, I'm moving towards something. Hallelujah. And that something is so tremendous, so beyond my limited comprehension, my tiny little grasp of God and His magnificence, that I'm appalled at it. And all I can do for the moment is hang on to a glorious truth that's beyond my comprehension even now. And all I can do is cry out in faith and confess it to be true and act upon it as best I understand it. I'm able in this present world to say, now, today, I am a son of God. But the Bible says, I has not seen and ear has not heard. Nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But then it goes on to say something tremendous and it it excites me. I know that God has a revelation and we're coming to it in our own spirits. We can sense it. We see the results of it. It goes on to say, Though eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them to love Him. But it goes on to immediately say, But He has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Oh, it's my intellect that can't catch up with it. Sometimes when I'm walking along by myself, And I get to thinking about it a little bit, my spirit says, I understand, I understand, I understand but it's my intellect that can't understand anything. But somehow God's even boring a hole in my hard head. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And just a little I catch a like a glimpse of it like that. But I tell you the truth that's not the ultimate satisfaction. Says this beloved, now are we the sons of God? But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But this we know, and this is the ultimate satisfaction. This we know, that when we see Him, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you that time will come that every single one that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and lives for Him, we may go by way of the grave. Praise the Lord if that's His will. We may be here at His coming and we're caught up to be with Him, but it isn't the rapture, it isn't the resurrection, it isn't healing, it isn't miracles, it isn't even His indwelling presence, it isn't speaking in tongues, it isn't fellowship, it isn't love, such as we're experiencing here. But it's when that day comes and we open our eyes. Hallelujah. If I go by way of the grave, or you do, we lay there for a time, our old carcasses rot away. Hallelujah. Let them rot just a tent. then that day is going to come when God will resurrect not that body but a glorious body hallelujah raised from the dead and they that are alive and remain shall be caught up together and we say oh it's the rapture look we're rising above the earth oh that's not the satisfaction brother you rise above the earth go get an airplane ride if you want to rise above the earth no it's said our eyes are going to be focused upon him and we're going to see him as he is And as we look at Him and see Him as He is, we are going to be transformed into that final image change. He says we are being transformed from image to image to image to image. But oh, brother, in that day, the final transformation will take place. And we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And He, He, He will take us before the eternal Father. And here we're standing with Him, beside Him, thinking like He thinks, no more cross-currents. Knowing as He knows, being as He is, living as He lives, filled with all of His radiance and purity and power, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Tell me something. Do you like John? When he was on the island of Patmos, I want if you turn over here to the last chapter of the book of Revelation with me. This ought to be your prayer. Chapter 22, verse 18, but it's verse 20 that I will emphasize, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. No, Lord, don't want to add one thing to your book, it's perfect. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things written in it. No, Lord, don't want to take away one jot or one tittle, not one word. It's a perfect book. You made it. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And then John cried out in return and said, Even so, come. Come. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I tell you something. I want to work with every ounce of energy I've got and with every bit of strength that's in my body and with everything that God gives me. I want Jesus to live through me and manifest Himself through me. But I tell you something, my soul every day is crying out with one cry. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.